Good morning and welcome to our virtual traditional worship. I am so thankful that you're joining us in worship this morning. I just want to give you a brief reminder that this Wednesday, September 16th, we have our first Fall Common Ground online. So sign up via our website for that Zoom conversation. It's going to be great and you won't want to miss it. With that being said, I pray a blessing on your worship this morning. As we begin this morning, we do so in the name of our triune God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Together, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us confess our sins before God, knowing that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and forgives us of all of our sins. Let us pray. Faithful God, have mercy on us. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We turn from your loving embrace and go our own ways. We pass judgment on one another before examining ourselves. We place our own needs before those of our neighbors. We keep your gift of salvation to ourselves. Make us humble. Cast away our transgressions and turn us again to life in you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you and for his sake 
forgives you all of your sins. I therefore, as a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by His authority, declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, 
for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. We continue in worship with the prayer of the day. Let us pray. O Lord God, merciful judge, you are the inexhaustible fountain of forgiveness. Replace our hearts of stone with hearts that love and adore you, that we may delight in doing your will. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We continue with our first reading, which comes from the book of Romans, the 14th chapter. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. 
Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold in order to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found that one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he paid back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the Gospel of the Lord. everyone. Have you ever made a mistake? I know I have. Sometimes we make mistakes when we feel angry or frustrated. Sometimes we are mean to people and we don't know why. Sometimes people are mean to us. In today's Bible story, Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive his brother. He says, should I forgive him up to seven times? Jesus replies by saying, not seven times, but 77 times. When someone hurts us, Jesus says that we should forgive them over and over again. That's not always easy, but it's important to remember that this is exactly what Jesus does for us. Everyone makes mistakes. That's why God sent Jesus to die on the cross and save us from our sins. When we do something wrong, we can ask God for forgiveness. Because of Jesus, our sins are erased and we are given a clean slate so that we may start new again in him let's fold our hands bow our heads and say a prayer dear jesus thank you for the gifts of your grace and forgiveness help us to forgive others just like you forgive us we love you so much in your name we pray amen Your strength will I 
always love the story of the fourth grade Sunday school teacher who asked her class one day, what do you have to do before you get the forgiveness of sin? To which one kid raised his hand and said, sin, uh, which certainly is consistent with a certain kind of logic, although I'm not sure that was the answer that she was quite looking for. Anyway, a few weeks ago, Pastor Nick and I preached back-to-back -back sermons on passages from Matthew 16, which have to do with Peter the fisherman. And in the first of which, he evokes a blessing on the part of Jesus for calling him the Messiah. And in the second of which, he evokes a curse on the part of Jesus for trying to derail the whole plan of salvation, which led me to remind you that though he initially got it right, more often than not, Peter got it wrong, or at least he missed the point or didn't completely understand what was going on in the gospel story. And as promised, uh, today we come to one of those moments in Matthew chapter 18 when the topic was actually the forgiveness of sin. And Peter, I think, could have been one of those kids in that fourth grade Sunday school class, except for the fact that in this case, he was the one who asked the question when he says to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me. And then in his usual way, Peter doesn't even wait for Jesus to answer the question before he jumps the gun. He tries to answer the question himself and say, how about up to seven times? And I think Peter was probably pretty confident about that answer, uh, given the fact that there was an old rabbinic tradition which said that you had to forgive someone only three times after you were then off the forgiveness hook. 
If you're into the history of baseball, you may know its tradition of denying forgiveness after three offenses and how that became part of the so-called Knickerbocker rules, which meant that a batter was out after three strikes or a team lost its offensive advantage after three outs, which then became a part of other rules and even laws around the country. And so Peter probably felt pretty confident that this was a good number because it, it doubled, more than doubled the rabbi's tradition and it also represented a symbolic number, number that meant uh, perfection in the pages of the Old Testament or completion after God's seventh day of rest, after the six days of uh, creation. And yet, unfortunately for him, Jesus dwindles even that number in his ultimate answer to the question when he says to Peter, no, well, it's not seven times. It's more like 77 times, or some translations say 70 times seven, which was Jesus' way of saying, well, there really isn't a limit, and forgiveness really isn't about a number. Last week, if you worshiped with us, you remember that the topic was about what it means to confront sin so that forgiveness could be given. Today, the question is more about how many and how much, how often, how great forgiveness can be through people like you and me. And then to further illustrate his answer, uh, Peter hears Jesus go on to tell a story known as the parable of the unjust servant whose debt, as you heard, is forgiven by his master, the king, but will not forgive the debt of a fellow servant who owes him some money. Kind of reminds me of that line that is included in the Lord's Prayer that we pray with a fair amount of regularity when we ask God to forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive our debtors or those who trespass against us. And so moral of the story is really pretty simple. God wants us to forgive others as those who have been forgiven. And yet, as is often the case in the parables of Jesus, uh, there is, in this case, a little bit more to the story. When you drill down into the details, the details in this case have to do with the amount of money that is included in the parable. And I want to begin with the second amount of money that the fellow servant owed to the forgiven man. Jesus says that was a 100 denarii. And just to put that into perspective, one denarius was equal to about one day's worth of wages on the part of a common worker. So that a debt of 100 denarii would be more like uh, three or four months worth of wages, uh, depending on how many days a week they worked and all of the rest. But uh, suffice it to say that it was a significant amount of money. It was, a, it was a sizable debt that was owed. And yet with a certain amortization, a certain passing of a time, you could imagine somebody satisfying a debt, paying off a debt of 100 denarii. But the unmerciful servant doesn't allow that to happen, and he has the poor guy thrown into debtor's prison. But then there's the other amount of money, the first amount that the first man owed to his master, the king, and was forgiven. Jesus says that was 10,000 talents. And if you figured that 10,000 talents was probably worth more than 100 denarii and therefore the first man was forgiven more than he was willing to forgive, then you would be right. 
but you still wouldn't get the fullness of the story. And the reason that I say that is that at the time of Jesus, one talent was worth, give or take, about 20 years worth of an average person's income. So that when Jesus says that the first man's debt was 10,000 talents, he was talking about 10,000 times 20 years worth of income. He's talking about 200,000 years worth of debt. Now, historians tell us that the entire annual tax revenue for all of Palestine at the time of Jesus was somewhere around 600 or 800 talents. Jesus is talking about a debt of 10,000 talents from one person, which would have been equivalent to about 204 metric tons of pure silver. The story is ridiculous. It's absurd. It's preposterous. And that is precisely the point of the parable. That that man owed a debt that he in his wildest dreams could not possibly repay. Although if you read the parable carefully, he acts like he can repay it with the passing of time. He doesn't even ask for forgiveness. He just asks for more time, but it's a lie. There's never enough time for him to repay that debt. The only way that it could possibly be canceled is if the one who had the power over it forgave it, canceled it, sent it away. And so the question is, what does this man do before he gets the forgiveness of sin? Just to go back to that fourth grade Sunday school class for a moment. Jesus says he falls on his knees in front of the master. When the man falls on his knees, the master has pity on him and he forgives the debt. He cancels it. He sets him free. He sends him away. He is good to go, even though unfortunately he does not extend the same kind of forgiveness to a fellow servant whose debt to him is infinitely less. The parables of Jesus are fictional stories that Jesus made up in his own rabbinic tradition to teach us lessons, to tell us a truth that is very real. And in those parables, there are often characters uh, that remind us of people that we know or maybe that we ourselves can identify with. And so in this parable from Matthew 18, the master of the king is God. The person who owes him the 10,000 talents is me, and it's you. The denarii or the talents in the story, the money represents sin in whatever form it may happen in your life. And the person who owes the 100 denarii represent all the people in our lives. And what God wants us to think about as we face the challenge and the opportunity of forgiveness is the enormity of the forgiveness that we've already experienced in our own lives so that we might become forgivers as ones who have been forgiven. What he wants Peter to know and what he wants you and me to know is that forgiveness isn't about a number, whether it's three or seven or 77 or 70 times seven, it's limitless. It's, it's really about the forgiving heart of a person who has been forgiven by God and then begins to live that way. 
I don't think I have to tell you that forgiveness is not always an easy thing to do for a number of different reasons, some of which have to do with, you know, the world of hurt that we experience in our own lives, some of which have to do uh, with my own arrogance, my own stubbornness, my own resistance to uh, forgive. And there are times when forgiveness is not given, as we heard in the passage from last week, or in John chapter 9 when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you know, your sin remains because of your arrogance. And, and there are a lot of questions that you might have about forgiveness and whether you can forgive even if you can't forget, or uh, whether I have to, even as a forgiven person, still suffer the consequences of my action. And there are so many other questions about it which is why I've preached an entire series of sermons on the topic of forgiveness. But even if you can't answer every one of those tough questions or haven't just yet, maybe you can start today right here in Matthew chapter 18 and begin by looking into the mirror and saying to yourself, you know, I'm the guy who owed the 10,000 talents. I owed a spiritual debt to God that I could not begin to pay in my wildest dreams and in a thousand lifetimes. But in his grace, Jesus has forgiven me. He's wiped the debt away. The slate is clean. And now that I know that, maybe by the grace of God, I can live that way because he wants me to live that way because I've been forgiven. And that's be how people come to know him. So as I said, the parables are fictional stories designed to say something that is very real and very true. And I want to conclude uh, with something that is both literally true and spiritually true. That is, some of you know, I like to talk about on or around Good Friday. And it has to do with a, an accounting term that people in Jesus' day would often use. It's a word that they would write across a, a bill of sale or a receipt or a, a loan document when the debt had been completely satisfied. And, and the word that they would write across those documents is the Greek word tetelestai, which can variously be translated as completed or accomplished or finished. There is no more debt. It is now gone. And I share that with you because the, that word tetelestai in Greek, that accounting term, was actually used in John 19 by Jesus himself from the cross when he said, it's completed, it's accomplished, it is finished. No more debt, so you and I can begin again. And we can be forgivers as ones who have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb so that a world of people can bow down on their knees and worship at his cross. So here's to reconciled friendships. Here's to renewed marriages. Here's to restored relationships. Here's to unified families. Here's to vibrant churches. And here's to the healing of a nation. Not because the hurt we've caused magically goes away, 
but because Jesus is bigger than the hurt. And because at the end of the day, forgiveness is not about a number. It's about the forgiving heart of God for debtors like you and me and for the hope of the whole world. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Together, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we join in confessing our common Christian faith found in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Together, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for the church, the world, and for all of creation, trusting in God to hear us as we call. Let us pray. Lord God, you welcome us when we are weak in faith. Uphold your church throughout the world. Make it a place of welcome. Strengthen faith through Bible studies and Sunday schools, confirmation classes and youth ministries. Nurture new ministries of education and growth. And may those who lead and participate in these ministries be filled with your life-giving word that sustains them each and every day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, turn nations and their leaders away from the things that lead to death. Shape new paths toward peace and cooperation, teaching us to recognize one another as neighbors. Guide legislators, civil servants, judges, and police toward laws that protect the well-being of all. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, though we walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve us, deliver us, and fulfill your purpose for us. According to your steadfast love, grant healing and wholeness to those who are bereaved, in trouble or adversity, or sick and in need of care. We also ask that you watch over those who continue to provide care for the ill and afflicted and give them your strength as they continue to love and serve their neighbor. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of all hope and redemption, help us to hear your word and understand it as it is proclaimed to us. When we are convicted by our sin, help us to turn to you for forgiveness. When we are filled with sorrow, help us to cry out to you for your comfort. When we are filled with joy, help us to give thanks for your life-giving presence. In all things, Lord, we look to you and ask that you continue to be the light in our lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, you protect all things and you put us as stewards of your good creation. Lord, we pray for all those who are suffering from the effects of the wildfires on the West Coast. We ask that those who are caring for that part of the country are able to do so under your care, under your provision. Lord, and ultimately that we continue to care for your creation, just as you have given us each and every opportunity to do so. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord God, teach us to forgive. While our sinful nature seeks to blame and hold sins against one another, help us to seek reconciliation and pronounce forgiveness to one another. 
And help us to remember that we forgive because we have been forgiven through the precious sacrifice of your beloved Son, our Savior. Make this congregation a community of mercy and forgiveness for one another and for all our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, into your hands we commit all for who and for what we pray, trusting in you as together we pray the family prayer of the church. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive this blessing as you depart this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.